Welcome in to the Wednesday Bible Study from the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. Uh, thank you for taking the time to either be with us live right now or if you're watching uh, one of our archives. We are going through a brand new series. It's called The Unsaved Christian. Uh, it's from a book by Pastor Dean and Sarah uh, out of Tallahassee, Florida. And this is I, I, the feedback that I'm getting on this series has been, uh, has been exciting because I think uh, this has been, you know, just like Paul told us and at the end of, the, uh, of 2 Corinthians, the second letter that we have that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. We're going to talk about the church at Corinth today because uh, Paul was not uh, overly thrilled with them. Uh, we're talking about it today. And I will say this, Adler, if you're in there, or one of the guys, I forgot my Bible and it's on my desk. So uh, Adler's got it. He'll, he'll tell it. Thanks, guys. So I'm going to be, believe it or not, we will have Bible in, included in the Bible study. Uh, but but we're walking through this, and we're, we're in part six of the series, but we're actually in, in chapter seven. And today we're going to talk about something that, that is, is very prominent uh, in the Western church, and that is how we treat church membership. And uh, this is one of, those, one of those things. Thank you, Chris. There yes, he is. Sir. Hey, buddy. Uh, th- this is one of those things that, um, that in the Western church, uh, that, that really, if you look at what Dean's talking about in chapter 7, he starts out with a great quote uh, from O.S. Guinness, and it says, As sinful human beings, we have an instinctual compulsive bias toward forms of religion that we ourselves can create and control. It's just something about human beings. I mean, the more control that we can gather over the way we do our spiritual life or the way church is done or anything that may have a religious flavor to it, the more we can control it, the more we're drawn to that kind of setup. We want to be in control as opposed to submitting to the authority of God and He being in control. So, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Does church membership really mean anything in the Western church, and how does that contribute to the problems that we continue to have with cultural Christianity? Uh, just a note, if, uh, if you're watching this today and you're starting to think, I haven't got anything for my dad yet for Father's Day, which is coming up uh, June the 20th, themanchurch.com. If you go there, we've got some really cool things. How about giving your dad something uh, that, that will benefit him uh, spiritually? We have all sorts of devotions. We have the How to Be a Man uh, 1 and 2 that, uh, that, that I helped put together. But we also have devotionals from other authors that have put together uh, men's uh, resources. We have our apparel. Uh, I was at the beach this past week. People were really starting conversations with me because I was wearing one of the, the manchurch.com shirts, Be a Man, Follow Jesus. You know, that's what we've said for the men that participate in this Bible study. If you really want to know how to be a man, follow Jesus. Uh, so if you'd like to find something nice uh, for uh, the dads on your list, you can do that. If you're a church and you're still trying to get ready as you start maybe gathering a little more, or even if you want to stay doing it virtual, we still have our men's discipleship strategy uh, and our events that we will be putting together when we all can gather again. That's starting to happen. If you need any help with that, just go to themanchurch.com. That's themanchurch.com. Let's open a word of prayer and jump right in. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the conviction of it. Help us to learn what you intend for us to learn. And Lord, may we think, uh, ask ourselves questions as, as you've told us to, to, to test ourselves um, and see if we really are of the faith. And Lord, help us to, to work through uh, these issues in our life and, and that we can be, be you know, certainly sure that our salvation is everything that the Bible says it should be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you know, I'm teaching this series as a recovering cultural Christian. I had a chance to talk to some college students and careers that have just got out of college and started their careers, but all singles 
uh, last night at a Bible study in our neighborhood just up the street, and I sat down with them, and I said, you know, were you guys talking with me right now, it'd be like you going to some sort of drug rehab uh, or whatever the case may be, and they bring in somebody that says, I'm a recovering fill-in-the-blank. Well, that's how the, I'm teaching this series. I'm a recovering uh, cultural Christi, a Christian, and that's why this subject, as I've told you before, is so important to me. So it starts out, this, is, this chapter is called The Country Club Church, and I certainly agree with a lot of the things that are said in this chapter, and it certainly is a problem in the Western church where I've heard our pastor say before, if we remove Jesus from all this, if we remove coming here to encounter God and, and worship of the one and only living God, this certainly, it, it, it ceases to be a church. You know what it turns into now? Just a spiritual country club. Uh, and we're going to take that on today and talk about it because uh, the pastor who wrote this book, he said, I, I went into Tallahassee. I, I started figuring out that you know cultural Christians are part of a, a gigantic unreached people group. And man, I was going to go in there and I was putting together things. And he said, so I'm doing a, a you know, new membership deal. And he's sitting there and he's asked this question by someone who had just uh, was considering whether to become a member of his church a, a member of his church and he was asked this question what changes on monday if i join the church and become a member on sunday what changes and pastor dean and sarah said this question stumped me came during the first ever membership class that i had at the church uh, i had just planted the church and he's asking me so i go through your little membership thing here What's different about me attending this church and being a member of this church? What's the difference? And he said that stumped him. He said, I tried to come up with an answer in front of about 20 people who, now, who were now probably wondering the same thing. He said, I don't, even, I don't even remember what I said, but I know it wasn't very good. I had no quality answer to give because our church at that point, and the question he asked, the answer would be there really isn't much of a change. If I was being honest, he said at that time, of our church, and he says, this is a great question, but it's not just a question to try to stump a pastor. He goes on to say, it's a crucial, crucial question, a crucial, crucial question. My goodness here. I, again, I don't have COVID-19, just uh, I'm a guy who hosts a radio show that has multiple, multiple speech impediments, so it should give a lot of you hope out there. You can do anything through God. So anyway, it was a crucial question. So why is it so important? Well, does church membership mean anything? Does it, does it, what, what is it there to accomplish? Can, can we all just kind of hang out and get together every now and then? What, what is this whole deal about membership? What, what does it mean to be a member of a church? Now, in most cases, again, I grew up in the Bible Belt, the home of cultural Christianity. Not in every case. Don't think I'm, but it, honestly, in a lot of cases, if you go to a church and you didn't ask the question, what does membership mean? You just said, I'm going to observe and I'm going to watch and see what membership looks like to me. You would come to the conclusion that really membership means I come to this particular church on Sunday mornings until I decide to go somewhere else. <laughs> I come here until I think there might be something better. I get, don't like it here. And then I just go somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's what you would think. Most Western church membership fuels cultural Christianity. Because it gives you a false sense that this really isn't a big deal. There's not, there's not a lot that's changing in my life other than I've checked the box that when people now ask me, what church do you attend? Uh, and you ever notice that? I notice I, I'm usually asked what church I attend more than I'm asked what church I'm a member of. Have you noticed that? I, I don't get asked what church I'm a member of much. 
So what church do you attend? And you see why? Because I, I know that they mean what church I'm a member of. You know why they say what church do you attend? Because that's what it looks like. That's just where you go to get your church stuff done for the week. So, so this became an issue, and, and uh, unsaved Christians thrive where church membership means nothing and is uh, available to all without anything changing when you sign up. Cultural Christians love that concept. So in this chapter, uh, Pastor Dean and Sarah said that he felt like he needed to change that because uh, he, he wanted to say get to the point that going through the membership process may also reveal whether you are actually a follower of Jesus or not. There's a weird concept. Maybe we should vet the people out who say they want to be a member of the church. Now, let me be clear. That's the difference. And I'm telling you, it, it drives me crazy to see churches that don't seem to understand that. Anyone who wants to come to the church and attend, you're welcome. There, there's no requirement to attend a church. Man, you come there, and, and hopefully, you know, something's going to happen. You're going to hear the gospel correctly presented. You're going to understand it. You're going to repent of sin. You're going to submit to the authority of Jesus, and you're going to be transformed and now become a member of the church and then become uh, discipled and involved and move forward, and we'll get into that here in our study today. But here's where I think a lot of churches really mess up, and we'll get into this. This is a lot of the big, mega, seeker-friendly churches. They don't require anything for you to go from attending the church to being a member of the church. For example, let's say somebody comes and says, I'm attending the church, but you're in you know, open sin, meaning there's things in your life that don't match up. Maybe, maybe you're, you're living with someone you're not married to. Uh, maybe you uh, uh, have a different view of sexuality and uh, you're in an alternative lifestyle. Uh, maybe you're someone that has you know, a problem with drinking or, or you've got a porn issue. Whatever the case may be, and, and this is something that is open and evident in your life, and you say, I want to come attend church because I'm seeking. Fine. But now if you walk up and say, I now want to become a member of the church, that's a whole different deal. You, becoming a member of the church is not offered to lost people. And, and we have a lot of seeker-friendly seeker churches that attending and membership really are treated the same way. They, they, it's the same standard. And that's not scriptural. And, and so we'll talk about that, and, and that's one thing that, that Dean and Sarah was talking about. He said, it's an easy process within churches to become formalities. And many traditional, especially, and, and it seems to really be, be in the Southern Baptist denomination, for example, the method of becoming a member is just walk forward, they're an invitation. be hard to do that now because nobody's doing invitations anymore. But let's say you're at a church and they actually do an invitation. To walk forward during an invitation at the conclusion of worship, join the church by filling out a card with a personal contact information all filled out. If people come forward to join the church as members, they will simply indicate whether they're joining by transfer of letter, which means you come from another church for someone who may not be familiar with church talk, a statement of faith, what that means they're, they're already claiming to be followers of Jesus, or baptism, meaning that they've never been immersed. You know, you can't join a Baptist church unless you're immersed. You can't be sprinkled. can't have an infant baptism, anything like that. And then after that, I remember this vividly. I remember this growing up. I remember seeing this exact process. And after meeting them, the pastor introduces them to the congregation. And then I remember this. The congregation would be asked uh, if we all were okay with him, them joining the church. We say yes or amen. Uh, and then the pastor would always say this, 
anyone opposed? And of course, there are none. <laughs> Maybe there were some, but you never got a chance to oppose it. And, and in any of those who are opposed, and of course, there are none. Meaning the pastor didn't want anybody to uh, say, I, I know this person. I don't think they need to be a member of this church. Uh, that wasn't allowed. And then once that was done, they would say, Mr. and Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, uh, they're now members of this church. And that was the process. I remember it vividly in every church I went to growing up. Some have changed now, but that was the way it was once done. Now, other denominations or churches uh, require aspiring members to take a, a class as part of a process where they learn about the church's beliefs and history and, and meet some of the staff. This is kind of what our, the church I attend has a little more of this, this route now. Uh, there are also those who declare an infant to be a member after uh, their baptism, but regardless of the process, the question is, still back to this, what changes? What changes if on Sunday I say I'm going to become a member of given church, Monday, what's different about me? That question still remains the same. And so if, the, if you don't have an answer to the question, then you have to come to this conclusion. What's the point? I mean, what? Why, why do I care whether I'm a member of this church or not? Really, it sounds like to me, if I, if I take that member step, uh, you know, it doesn't really change anything. So why hassle with it? Well, that, that was something that, uh, that really started to bother uh, the pastor who wrote this book. Much of the American megachurch craze was built, like I said a minute, a minute ago, on the seeker-sensitive models. And, and, of course, they went out with a good, a good plan. Their plan was, let's attract the, the, the de-churched people. Uh, in these churches, often membership didn't exist at all. It required, required nothing. Uh, it consists of you know, systemized assembly line baptisms, a sign-up list called church membership, church membership. Often the membership meant less than joining a local gym or a book club or a Facebook book group. Churches that forego membership, as is the case in some seeker-sensitive churches, these churches misunderstand the local church as it is designed by God. Okay? They miss it. Uh, it's important to remember that unsaved Christians are not seekers. They're not. Church, within its traditions, institutions, and programming, is not foreign to a cultural Christian. They, they, they're not a seeker. They, they fully understand what's going on, so they'll just go right into any system that requires nothing of them. Joining a church by becoming a member was likely part of their upbringing, Familiar practice, it's, it's fair to say church membership is an unspoken expectation for cultural Christians, even if attendance is sparse. It's almost like they're like, all right, I just we just got married or I'm out on my own. What do you usually say? You need to go find you a church. So they say, okay, and they go out there and they find them one, and they realize that membership really requires nothing from them. Nothing really changes from Sunday to Monday. So they go in and they say, I still want to be able to say this is the church I attend or this is the church I'm a member of, so let me check the box on that. And they will do that even if they only show up on Easter and Christmas. They'll still do it because, again, what? It's part of the culture. It's part of the culture. It's the expectation for maybe their family. So anyway, Dr. Dean and Sarah said something had to change. So something had to change. And, and so he wanted to say, I'm ready to make membership meaningful again. I, I need to look at Scripture. I need to take some points on what does it look like to be a member of a church body, which means we now are fellow followers of Jesus all in one group, and we're following what he said this church body should look like. 
And, and I thought Dean and Sarah makes a good point. He said, I would rather have someone be an attender and know they're not a church member than to be an official member and be unsure of what that means. I'd rather to be clear, uh, the way your, your, your uh, church experience is going, that we make it clear there's a difference in attending a church and being a member of the church. He said, I would much rather that be clear in someone when you ask what church do you attend, if, if their experience looks like an, someone who attends versus someone who's a member, they know the difference. He said, I'd much rather have that than to have a bunch of people confused about what membership even means. So he said he set out to clarify that, and he looked to Scripture, strange concept, to actually do it. And, um, and he said, so what I did is I went and I looked at New, at New Testament churches. Well, how about that? And I will say this. I know that sometimes you will have someone say, I tell you what we need to do. We need to be like the, 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 the New Testament church. There's nothing wrong with that. I, that's great. But I think a lot of you think the only New Testament church that existed was the first one in the book of Acts. You know, I had a friend of mine one time, and he made a profound statement. He said, when people ask me, uh, do I think we should follow the New Testament church, I ask them which one. Because there's, there's more than one. You know, Paul's writing letters to multiple memberships that have all kinds of different problems going on. So, you know, not every church did everything exactly the same way, but what was required of them was the same. So that, that's what we wanted to jump on. So the first thing he said we need to do to make church membership in Scripture, to make that to be, you know, important again, is the first thing we got to do is faith, repentance, membership. Uh, we, as strange as it sounds, some churches... Faith in Christ is not a prerequisite to join the church. They don't even vet you out to see if you've got a testimony. They don't even vet you out to see if you're a follower of Christ. Do you have faith in Christ? They don't even do it. As long as you're willing to come down front and say you want to be part of the church, they say, sounds good to us. They don't vet them out at all. Uh, I hope that that's becoming less and less, but there was a time when I know that was true because I saw it myself. So, uh, so what they do is they say, uh, usually the case is in uh, and, and, and theologically liberal, often mainline Protestant churches, and, and he's right. I've seen it myself. He said, but this is commonplace for the cultural Christian. The cultural Christian loves to know that they can be part of a church without ever having to show any proof they actually belong to Christ. They love that concept. Hey, baby, this is where I need to be. See, we're perpetuating this cultural Christianity with such a lax approach to church membership. And uh, he says uh, they want to go to churches that require, uh, you know, that, that don't require uh, members to be genuine believers, uh, but uh, but are more concerned with an individual, you know, just actually attending their church. So he says um, churches that require members to be genuine believers and more concerned with an individual actually understanding the gospel than they are at adding someone to the church or being inclusive. This is commonly referred to as regenerate church membership. So hang on to that. Ask about that. If, if, if you're interested in the church, say, do you have regenerate church membership? And let me tell you what that means. Uh, with every evangelical pastor, they would all likely claim that someone understanding the gospel is their first priority. Church membership models often communicate the opposite. What do we say is actually the truth? What you actually do? Well, we're evangelical, absolutely. We, we have regenerate uh, church membership. We, hey, a person's faith in Christ is my number one concern. And then you look at how they do church membership, and you go, doesn't look like it. Are you vetting these people out at all? And if you are, what are you doing? 
Are you vetting out the church members? Uh, you know, it's like I talk. My, my kids um, attended, uh, some of them, not all, some attended government schools, some attended uh, uh, a Christian private school. And people ask me about the Christian private school that they went to a lot. And I said, well, now there was a difference. Uh, the vision of this Christian school from the church that started it was that this Christian school would be evangelical. So they were not a covenant school. And sometimes people say, well, what does that mean? I said, you don't have to have testimony. I mean, if you want to go there and you got the money to go there and they've got room for you and they work their process about how many people they need for each class and how, how much room they have, because the, the pastor that started this school said, I think this is a good way to teach people Christianity with a Christian education. So, But then there's other Christian schools that are covenant schools, meaning they vet you out to see if you are of the faith in order to be in the school. So there really shouldn't be any church that is not a covenant church, meaning regenerate church membership. I want to know how Jesus Christ changed your life. I want, to, I want you to tell me how you were redeemed. It says even though a lot of churches claim to do that, you look at how they do it and they really don't, especially when joining the church is as easy as filling out personal information on a card. Hey, if your church membership is you fill out a card and you're in, then you are not a regenerate uh, church membership plan. You're not. Uh, you may say you are, but you're not. Different churches may have different requirements for church membership, but one non-negotiable should be that one has to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith and repent of sin. The reason is simple. Love for God and love for our, our neighbor. The church is, is loving God by taking his gospel and commands seriously, and we're loving our neighbor by wanting them to actually know the gospel of Jesus Christ and not be misled that they're Christians simply because they just joined a church. You see how dangerous that is? If you don't sit down and, and vet out someone, you know what they might say? A cultural Christian will say, hey, are you a Christian? Sure I am. Why? Well, I'm a member of a church. Well, even though that's not the gospel, it doesn't say become a member of a church and ye shall be saved. We went through that last week. But, see, you're also not being, you know, some people say, well, that comes across as a little self-righteous and sanctimonious. No, no, no. It actually comes across as loving someone. Because how would you like to stand before God and you look around and you can't find, uh, you know, a large percentage of your church body and you look to God and say, why aren't they here? And they said, because you, the way you did membership, you gave them a false assurance that they, that they were saved. I didn't know any of them. They're all in hell right now. But at least they signed the card. At least they got to hang out at a church. See, see you, you're not being sanctimonious and self-righteous. You're actually following Scripture, and you're loving someone because you don't want them to have a false assurance that they're something they're not just because they've got a church membership. That's why that's important. So, uh, so that's one. So step one, you got to have a regenerate uh, uh, game plan. You let, tell me how you were saved and tell me about your faith. Regenerate church membership should be part of it. Uh, then also, we, the next thing is you got to disciple people. Uh, you, know, you, you have to disciple people and find out are they part of the universal church. You know, while a worship gathering is open to all people, remember I said that before, anybody can attend. We're, we're worshiping your, as long as you don't come in here and cause trouble, you're welcome. We all, every single one of us are equal at the foot of the cross. Come in here, hopefully you'll hear the gospel to change your life. But being a member of a local church should be reserved for those who are first part of the universal church, where membership is informal, 
but also comes by faith and repentance. If one is not part of the church universal, it is negligent to allow that person to be part of the church local. Meaning, if you don't, if you if you are part of some false gospel, and you don't, and you do reject the concepts that that the church universal agrees on biblically, you know, we always talk about, you know, let's talk more about the things and denominations that we agree on and spend less less time on things we disagree on. Now, certainly none of us should tolerate tolerate heresy, which is exactly what he's talking about. Be sure they understand what it means to uh, what the gospel actually says. Uh, regenerate church membership begins with evangelism and the opportunity available to lead one to faith in Christ by requiring regenerate church membership. That cannot be overstated. It cannot be overstated. So then you have people that go in, and, and, and many people walk into the membership meeting as their personal rite of passage, but then if you do it right, they'll, they'll realize they need much more than a church home. They need to be forgiven of sins and trust Christ. See, that's the beauty of this. If you've got people filling out a card, there's never this moment that they walk into church membership, just like me. You go back to me when I was a cultural Christian. What did God use to, to clarify to me that I was lost? He led me through what? Pre-marriage counseling. If I don't get into pre-marriage counseling, where am I today? Now, I went into pre-marriage counseling thinking I need to check this off the list so I can get married, but that's not what happened. I was confronted because the pastor, you know, had the, the um, how can I say this, had the commitment to Jesus to actually tell me the truth about myself, okay? And it saved my life. So if you do it right, you can have people walk in saying, I want to be a member. You say, we'll see. Get them into the, the, uh, the vetting process. And then while they're in there, they may realize they're lost. You now can be the person used by God to point them to Jesus. They come out of there regenerated, and now they're a member of the church, but they're also saved. We don't need them to be a member of the church if they're not saved. That's not serving them or the church, which we'll get into some of that before we're done today. And, uh, you know, he says, I'm always puzzled how a cultural Christian can sit in a church service where the gospel is clearly preached and still remain as they are, feeling no disconnect. See, he, he says that I, he, he always gets frustrated. He said, when I do a message, I told you what Ed Litton said a few weeks ago when the person said, I really enjoyed the message today, and he said, you must not have been listening. Uh, this pastor says, I get frustrated when I see cultural Christians come up to me after a message that was intended to, to, to maybe get them to respond to the gospel, and they seem like they're fine. So he says, allowing someone to join a church as a member without being sure that person understands the saving work of Jesus Christ and has responded by faith and repentance is allowing them to join in a covenant community, remember what I said a minute ago, when they actually belong in, a, in an, event, of a, an evangelical conversation. You've got them entering into a covenant that they don't meet the requirement for. This should be an evangelistic conversation, not a membership conversation. Not, 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 they can't enter into a covenant that they, without being saved. And so that's why these things are important. The demands of Christian life expressed in the covenant community of the local church begin to make sense, and they apply when and only when somebody's born again. If you're not born again, you don't even know what, what the local church is even about. You have no clue. And that's the reason why so many times somebody will stand outside a church, people will file out of it, there'll be some, uh, you know, some issue going on in the world. So we went down to the local church. 
and we ask members of such and such, such and such, how they feel about this microphone in their mouth. They don't know what they're talking about. Have you ever looked at the TV and go, no, that's not right? Well, you know why somebody's saying that? They're probably a member of a church that's never vetted them out to see if they were even saved. They don't know, they don't know a biblical worldview about this topic. They've never learned it. They don't have the Holy Spirit. So this is why that's important. The call to the Christian life is a call to believe the gospel, repent of sin, and follow Christ with others. To put it plainly, this is church membership. An unregenerated person cannot and should not have to understand a reality that exists only for a Christian. He needs to be made aware of his or her sin and need for Christ. They can't move on to the job of a Christian without ever becoming one. And that's important. That's why church membership and the way we do it uh, must change. Unbelievers know when their friends who claim to be Christians don't actually take their faith seriously. People know this. And sometimes they're, they're thinking to themselves, uh, when Matthew 5, 16 talks about us letting our, our light shine before others, it's impossible to do that if you don't actually possess the light to shine. Somebody say amen to that. How am I going to go out there and shed light? I mean, we got Matthew 5, 16 say, let your light be. Go out there and sh- show your light in the darkness. Nobody can show light they don't have. And, and that's the reason why sometimes the church seems so ill-equipped uh, to, to take on something. Uh, like this. So when he started going into the different things that need to be done, so we need regenerate um, church membership. And then we, we talk about you, you got to say that you're part of the church universal in order to be part of the church local. And then I mentioned discipleship. Uh, he says, I don't mean that a cultural Christian should feel unwelcome at the church. I agree with him. But rather they should be uncomfortable by the glaring gap between what Christianity is and what it is not. We must be willing to make the cultural Christian uncomfortable. And, and I think one of the ways that we, that, that we are, are deemed to be useless is we take parts of Scripture, and I can tell you, I can take this microphone that's right over here I'm touching, if you're watching, I can pull this microphone up, I can pot up the mic, I can broadcast to the world, and if I bring up anything that has to do with the call on, on, on the Christian life and say, and if this is going on, the Bible says that right there is not correct, and this and that. And I'll tell you one thing, that's not the way a, a follower of Christ should be. I can just wait. These, here's the phone lines. They're right here in front of me. They'll light up, and I promise you, the first call I'll take, hey, now, Rick, you know, Christ says don't judge, yet ye be judged. Every single time. And see, that's somebody that has been, most of the time, they've just heard that. They couldn't tell you where that line is in the Bible if their life depended on it. It's in Matthew 7. But Matthew 7, Jesus said a lot more than Matthew 7, uh, uh, 1. He, he goes on to talk about that we are just not to be hypocrites. As a matter of fact, he says that we are to judge, but we need to make sure that we judge the behavior of someone correctly by, by doing what? By first taking out the log that is in our own eye, that we assess ourselves first. And he says, once you've met that test, and you remove the log from your own eye, he says, you will then see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. So I am actually removing it. I, I, you know, how in the world 
can, can we ever have accountability and how in the world do we ever talk about the standard if someone really believes that the church is never allowed to point to someone in the church and say what you're doing is wrong? So, so that no, that that's that. So we we need. I'm so glad that this pastor made me feel uncomfortable about my cultural Christianity. It saved my life, and it is biblical to do that. And we'll get into some of that as I say as we move on, right out of Scripture. It says that 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 reaching the cultural Christian uh, was, of course, what this pastor said was his proclaimed passion when they first cast the vision of the church from the start without even realizing it, he said, I realize I go in here saying, I'm going to stamp out cultural Christianity, and then I set up a membership plan that was promoting cultural Christianity. And he, he was embarrassed about that. He said, first, I, and I knew that had to change. So I asked what the Bible had to say about church membership, and, uh, and that, that can be complicated because the words church membership or joining a church are not in the Bible as far as, far as explicitly. Uh, explicitly in the Bible, uh, which results in a common misconception that the Bible doesn't talk about it at all, and that's incorrect. No, this goes back to what I said about the sinner's prayer last week. Just because the phrase church membership and joining a church is not in English in the Bible, if that's your language or whatever your language is, it doesn't mean the concepts of it aren't there. And that's what he he said. It, it, it's not like it's not talked about at all. And so what he said, he said... Um, uh, uh, the reason why people can't find that phrase is a lot of times why people, you know, won't address them at all. But in, in, in the absence of that terminology doesn't mean the practice is missing. Paul writes his New Testament letters to local churches. I talked about that a minute ago. Receiving and understanding his letters apart from being part of the church body would be like receiving a parent newsletter from a school that your child does not attend. He goes, if you want to see how the church was operating, read the letters that were written to the church. But if you don't understand what this is about and you don't know the Bible or you, you're not a, a member of the church, you can read letters about the church all day long and you don't know what Paul's talking about. And uh, he said being part of a church, uh, it, it was, was understood as the context for the encouragement, the instruction, and this is what I just said, the correction, the doctrine, and the truth that they received from Paul. If this was God's model for his people, he said that I needed to make sure it was the model for our church as well, and this required making membership meaningful. To, he said, I started with the Regenerate Church membership, which we talked about, but that was just the starting point to a healthy church, which must be defined by spiritual healthy Christians. We then wanted to ensure that joining our local church meant actually being part of a body, a people. Meaningless church membership only provides this in theory. Initial changes we made centered around our belief that discipleship matters and happens best in community. Listen what he requires at his church, and all churches should require this. To join the church now meant you agreed to be part of a discipleship environment with others coveted together and the same local church family. You had to join a Bible study or be involved in one of their growth environments, which was now an agreement one made upon becoming a member. So you come into this church. First of all, let's hear your testimony. You pass that test, then tell me, you're gonna, here's our options of discipleship courses that are available here at this church. Please let us know which one you'll be joining. Not, not just, well, congratulations, welcome to the church. You know why? Then you take somebody that might be a baby, an infant in their faith, you toss them into a church body, they never plug in to, uh, 
to any kind of church discipleship. They don't plug into any small group. They just attend every now and then some worship services. They never grow. They kind of fade away. Satan comes in and either chokes it out of them or just deems them useless. So if people won't commit to a discipleship uh, course in your church, then require it. Well, Rick, I don't know, man. We, we may lose some members over that. Well, good. Fine. You know, it's the same thing that happens with the men, the men's uh, strategy that we put together. And I continue to fight against this to some degree. There seems to be this obsession that, that, that somehow at our church, we have been offering a complete discipleship strategy for the men of the church for now we're getting close to five years, okay? And I'll go to a meeting, and then I'll hear conversations about the men who are still not participating. Uh, and and I come back with the same answer. Certainly, if there's something we can identify that might help get the word out, I'm all for that. But we've been doing this five years. Do you really think the men of our church that aren't participating don't know about it? No, what it is, they've just decided not to participate in it. So why don't we concentrate on the ones who actually are participating in it, and let's continue to disciple them, because you know what we found? When we do our man church gatherings, which is four times a year, we found that 90% of the men that are in the gatherings and are still in the gathering gatherings all are in small groups. If they're in a small group, either what we've offered or they already had a small group on their own, they're involved in the church. They're growing spiritually. The ones who are not in any kind of discipleship strategy, they're not growing. And you can't make them do them. So I say concentrate on the ones who will. But this pastor goes a step further. He says you can't be a member of his church if you're not in a discipleship class of some kind. You've got to be doing something to grow. I think that's fantastic. So you've got to agree to be in a small group. Uh, here's the other requirement. Christians, as, um, uh, as, as a part of the local church, are called to live their lives among unbelievers in the city. Write this down. 1 Peter 2.12. And doing so, they should not resemble the unbelieving world, but live distinct lives, hoping to point people to our distinct God. Based on this biblical conviction, becoming a member of our church is an agreement to live one's life in holiness. So you got to make a commitment that we don't need to see in your life you claiming one thing and living another. We're supposed to be in the world, but we're not of the world. And here's a bizarre concept, and I will tell you this. I think this may be what he's touched on here, one of the biggest problems in the Western church, and it's a lack of a call to holiness, and it's a lack of holding members accountable. It's a lack of church discipline. It's like you can live openly in the membership and just be doing all kinds of things, not privately, publicly. I mean, now we have social media. I look on, on churches, even the church I attend, and see things that are being promoted on social media that are heresy. They're blasphemy. And they're just allowed to do it. And let me tell you something. That is not in Scripture. Uh, first of all, if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, uh, let's go to Matthew 18. And let me tell you something. If you're starting a church or, or maybe you're, you're thinking about putting together putting one together, uh, maybe you're, got, you're planting a church. Listen to me. This is so important. Let me tell you the problem of the churches who never did that. They don't know how to do it now. They'll even acknowledge they should have done it, but now they're so far down the road. You know what they're afraid of? Uh, let's just use the, the name John, okay? Hey, we need to hold John accountable. You know, he's got an issue going on. He's, 
he's he's openly in sin, and he's got this thing going on at his workplace, and and uh, his his wife's told us that you know he's been caught on social media looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, and and then you know you have maybe your elders or your deacons or however you, you're you're hopefully you're set up the way the Bible says to set up, or maybe somebody comes to you and says, hey, this person is 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 openly being unfaithful to his wife, and, and we have him up here on the stage or teaching a class or or whatever, and you know what happens? If you didn't establish your church on church discipline, as soon as you try to take that on, what happens? Well, you didn't do that with Gary, or you didn't do that with Howard, or you didn't do that with Laura, or you didn't do that with Julie. And then people start naming off things that happened that you didn't deal with. So you know what happens? Churches are so afraid of that, they just don't do it with anybody. So if you ever go through a period of time where you don't follow the scriptures on holding those who claim to be believers... We're not talking about lost people. We're not talking about seekers. We're talking about members of the church that have claimed that they're followers of Jesus. And if you don't demand that there's a call to holiness, we're not talking about somebody makes a mistake. I'm talking about open, defiant sin. Here's what the Bible says about that in Matthew 18. The Bible lays out in two places exactly how we should handle that. And I'm sure there's others, but I only have time for two today. So it says this in in verse 15 of Matthew 18. This is Jesus talking. Now, keep in mind that Matthew is written to Jewish people, but this would also apply to the church age now. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So if there's sin in the church, what do we send? One person to go talk to the person saying, hey, we know this is going on. We're holding you accountable as your brother and sister in Christ. Okay? If he or she listens to you, then you've gained a brother. We're done. If they repent of this, say, you're right, this is going to stop, you stop right there. However, but if he or she does not listen, then take one or two others along with you. Now we're bringing other people of the staff, bringing elders, members of the church. Now we're coming in more than one of us, and we're going to talk to you about the way you're living your life. Okay? Once again, if that person repents of the sin in front of the two or three witnesses, then we're done. If he or she refuses to listen... Then you go and you tell it to the church. Now that is taken to the entire church body, and we openly say we have people claiming to be regenerated by Christ and being a member of his holy church, and they are living in open sin. We've talked to them individually. We've talked to them as a group, and they do not content, They will not listen. And you know what it says if that happens? If he or she refuses to listen to the church, listen to this. And if he or she uh, should, should refuse to listen to even to the church, let that person be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. You know what that means? They're out. They're out. And I'm telling you, churches that do this are healthy. Churches that don't do this are in constant turmoil of being inconsistent and coming across as hypocritical because they haven't dealt with open sin in the church. And we are told to deal with it. If a person engages in sinful patterns, the church must hold them accountable. This will not happen without church membership being the way it should be. Because if you do church membership right, they you know what they should do? This is one thing that I've done as uh, every time I've been in a leadership position because I learned this from my father and the church talks about this as well. The minute you say I want to be part of your team if you're the coach, I want to be part of your company, you know what I do? We sit down and say, here's how things work here. Here's what's, this is what's considered excused uh, days off or excused missing practices. Nothing else is. 
here's what we, how we handle playing time, here's how we handle salaries, here's how we handle this, here's how we handle that, here's how we handle this. So then you go, now do you acknowledge you understand all that? Yes, I do. Once that happens, so then if you have membership that way, we will tell you in your membership you are called to live a life that is holy. You are, you are not to be out in the world in, in a pattern of perpetual deliberate sin. Scripture forbids that, and we will not allow that in the church. If you are doing that, here's how we'll handle it. And you go right out of Scripture. If you don't do that, now you're making it up as you go. And that's when you get yourself in a bind. Listen to Paul talking to this, again, the church at Corinth in chapter 5. Here's how Paul looked at open sin in the church. This is in the Bible. You would think we would do this more in the actual church. It is actually reported to me that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. So it was bad. For a man has his father's wife. You got a man in the church, and his stepmama is now with him. How can y'all let this go on? Okay, and then he says this, are you arrogant? He says that to the church. You know why he's saying that? Have you ever seen people say, well, we didn't want to do anything because we want to show how gracious we could be. We want to show how understanding we could be. Hey, man, you know, we're, we're all, you know, they say, we just want to love you. We want to be with you. And you know what he says? You ought to mourn that you're letting this go on. Paul says, you should be, you should be patted on the back for this. You are to mourn that you're letting somebody who claims to be a member of this church live this way. Listen to what he says next. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. How are you letting this person still be a member of this church? Listen to this. For though absent in the body, I am present in spirit and as if present. I have already pronounced judgment on this person who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with you with the power of, the, of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for destruction of the flesh so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Wait a minute. So actually confronting this person with their open perpetual sin and reminding them that God's wrath will come down on those who blaspheme his holy church, that's actually loving this person? Yes, it is. Because you know what Paul said? Go ahead and turn him over to his sin because his soul may actually be saved. Let me tell you how he's not going to be saved. Y'all keep treating him like it's no big deal. That's going to lead to his ultimate destruction, and you are to mourn that that's your game plan. You don't care about the holiness of the church, and you don't even care about this person. You just don't want to get your hands dirty. And there's a lot of that going on in the Western church. So then, listen to what he says next. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So here's another reason. Why do, why do you demand this from your church members? So they don't mess up the rest of the body. You, you realize this, when you let these things go, it doesn't just, sin is never personal. Do y'all feel like that Adam and Eve's sin was just personal to them? Didn't affect anybody. Sin always matters. And it'll affect the rest of the church body. And Paul is saying this. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are really as you really are unleavened. For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with old leaven, the, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You gotta call it what it is. You're not who we used to be. 
We're clean. That's re- the that's reason why we can't tolerate people who are still, still the old leaven. We can't have that within the new leaven. It'll corrupt it. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all, meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since they would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater. He's, he's, a, he's a reveler, a drunkard, a swindler, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges the outside purge the evil person from the inside. My goodness, he couldn't lay it out any clearer. You know what he's saying? You're right. We're not supposed to be casting judgment on those outside of the church. That's God's job. But you know what we do? We purge them from inside the church. Did you hear what Paul said? He didn't say not to go and eat and and fellowship with people who never claimed to be followers of Jesus. He didn't say that. You know, Jesus was out there because he said, I'm here for the sick. We should go out, we should engage, we should talk about the gospel. But do you know who we're not supposed to associate with? People who claim to bear the name of Jesus and they live in open, perpetual, deliberate sin. Paul says we shouldn't even eat with these people. And they sit down and blaspheme the church in pews everywhere. And frankly, a lot of the church bodies across this country, especially in the Bible Belt, don't do anything about it. And they'll answer to God on that. They certainly will. Because you know what you're missing? You're caring more about the feelings of this person than you are about honoring the holiness of God in this church. You don't hate them. You just love God. So you can't let... I've had this happen before. My wife had a great statement on this. I've had people say before, and it's a difficult topic. It's very difficult. Very difficult. Where people say, well, I hear that that in, in, in Revelation 21... Apparently, every tear is going to be wiped away, and there'll be no more mourning, there'll be no more sadness, no more sickness, no more death. Praise the Lord for that. And, 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 and it was said, but what if there's people that you know that went to hell? How, how am I going to get past that? And my wife said something beautifully, and I think she's right, and that's what Paul's talking about, about the church. When we truly become engrossed in the fullness of our holy God, the limitations are taken away. And our full righteousness is finally, we're done with that flesh. It's over. And we're fully immersed in the holiness of God. We will love him so much that we will see evil in anyone who opposes him the same way he does. And we'll be so engrossed in him, we'll consider anyone that we ever knew that is an enemy of God to not be worthy of our attention. We'll be so engrossed in him that we realize that if anybody comes against him, they certainly don't hold anything for us anymore. We'll see it the way he does. And that's the way we're supposed to protect his church. We're not talking about mistakes. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who defiantly stay in that church body, go out on their social media, go out in their lives, and they blaspheme God with with going off after the 
the, these movements of, of, you know, changing God's standard for marriage, say, changing this and changing that, and, you know, moving into all these phrases that the world's come up with, and they blaspheme the very God whose church they sit right in the middle of, and we allow it to go on. We certainly should love people. We should work with them. We should try them. But if they stand up and they defiantly oppose God, then they must be removed from his church if they claim to bear his name. Not talking about seekers, not talking about lost people, but certainly talking about people who claim to be a member. So the call to holiness is crucial. The next thing in church membership, they said they must serve and they must contribute and they must volunteer in ministry areas of the church and they must give generously to the church. You know, I won't even be part of a board of any ministry if anybody on the board does not donate to the ministry. I won't be part of it. Because if you don't donate to the ministry, then what are you doing on this board? You're going to go out and ask other people to donate to something you don't even do? So he says in the church membership there, you're going to serve and you're going to give. And if you don't do those biblical requirements, you can't be a member of the church. You can't just sit around on the pew and you take and take and take and take and take and everybody else does the work. You know, in most church bodies, 20% of the people do all the work. And that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. You know, and if you don't want to do the word, then don't be a member. Okay, then you can just keep you can just keep attending and seeking. But if you become a member of a church, it ought to be required of you that you start doing something. You need to be serving in the areas of service and you need to be giving because that's what the Bible calls us to do. It uses some scriptures on this. We should be serving one another. Matthew 20 and 28. Write that down. Matthew 20, 28. John 13, 14 and 15. Therefore, Christians are called to serve one another within the body, that is, in the church. Ephesians 4, 16, write that down, also says that. To be part of a body means to serve the body. That's volunteering, and that's certainly giving. Membership. Believe sound doctrine. Practice community. Strive for holiness. Serve the body of Christ. And how about this? He says what's beautiful about these strong requirements that the Bible calls for and church membership. This is beautiful. I love this. He said, you know what that does? That standard is too high for the cultural Christian. That standard is too high for an unsaved Christian. They can't do it. So you know what? It reveals them. See, if you don't do that, you don't know who's a cultural Christian, who's a seeker, who's, who's a follower of Jesus. You have no idea because there's no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no litmus test. But you have this kind of membership that's right out of the New Testament churches. No unsaved Christian or cultural Christian can tolerate that. And then you see them. So the last thing he talks about is country club churches. And, and I love this. The country club church, and we, we start on that, but this is the bottom line. The country club church, what is a country club? A country club is there to get you to pay a membership fee, and then once you do that, what does the country club do? It caters to you. Now the country club has to take care of the members. A lot of churches operate this way. So let's see, if I don't want to run people off and I don't want to lose their tithe, then what do I do? I cater to my members. I don't cater to God and teach them to do the same thing. I cater to the members. So what do I do? I avoid hard topics. Mm, let's see, it's a little messy. I think I'll leave that out. I got to be careful certain things I preach on and I don't preach on because I got to avoid hard topics because it might cost me members. They forbid the confrontation 
or the personalization of any message. There'll be no confrontation, no church discipline, not anything that might upset the members because you might lose them to somebody else. So what you'll do, if confrontation you know, might lose you a member or somebody might walk out, then uh, you, you, none of that. So I, if I'm talking about topics, I won't personalize them at all. See, in men's ministry, that's the reason why what we do in men's ministry all the time, because this is what saved my life, we will personalize it. You know, um, that's, that's why we ask questions like when, when somebody says, you know, when we'll say, well, Jesus says if you lust in your heart after someone who's not your wife, you've committed adultery, and then we will personalize that. Let me tell you what that looks like. That's that conversation you're having with the, the salesperson that you work with that's female. It's that conversation you keep having, and, and you keep wanting to go to lunch with her, and really every day she comes in, you're looking at her legs and trying to see what kind of skirt she may have on, what kind of pants she has on, or how low-cut her shirt is. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Well, see, now it's personalized. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you're just not going to make a general statement of that. No, I'm not, because you know that's the kind of stuff that saves people's lives. Also, they'll make exceptions related to financial contributions. You'll see this sometime in the country club church. Ooh, we gotta, we're real careful what we say about the family that's got a big old tithe coming in versus the one that doesn't have much. Man, we really come down on the family that doesn't have a whole lot to give, but when the family that's got a lot to give has a kid that's wayward or they're out living a life that's uh, contradictory to what we have, you know, we didn't really vet them out that strong. We really vetted out that bank account and as long as that tie's coming in, you won't be hearing a whole lot from us. And we'll also, you're the person that can have the, the pastor's cell phone. Now, the rest of the, of the church body can't. Uh, you're, you're, the, you're the person that if you need to meet with the pastor, it's done, while a woman who's having trouble with her husband has been waiting for months because the pastor's busy. See, that's what country club churches do. Uh, they avoid hard topics. They forbid confrontation. They don't personalize sin, and they make exceptions for those who are influential or wealthy. See, it operates just like a country club. It caters to the members as opposed to catering to God. So as we leave this topic today, look around and see what kind of church that you may, if you're a member of a church anywhere, was anything required of you? Or maybe you're someone on the staff somewhere. Maybe you're a pastor watching this. Um, any of this hit you hard today? Well, I will tell you, if, if we would follow the, what, what some of the letters in the New Testament actually say about church membership, we would see a much different church. We would see a much different impact on society, and we would live in a much different world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the conviction of this today. May we all, even though we may not be members of a church, we may not be planning a church, may not be pastors of a church, may not be on staff at a church. Uh, but Lord, if we're looking for a church, maybe we look for the things that we just heard about today. That'd be a healthy church. Or maybe, Lord, if we're already in a church, maybe we start demanding these things of the church that we're part of. And we point to this study today, maybe in the scriptures, that clearly lay this out. May we do it all under your authority, and may we do it for no other reason but because we love you. Doesn't mean we hate people. Doesn't mean we dislike people. It just means we love you, and we lay these things at your feet, and in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you need me, Rick at rickandbubba.com. I'm happy to help you any way I can. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at burgessministries.com.